Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello listener and welcome to episode 45 of the From the Finney podcast with Jimmy and me, Jake. In this episode, we're joined by Jack Goodwin to discuss the weekend's draw with Bournemouth. We'll answer a few listener questions throughout and we'll finish off by looking ahead to Saturday's game against Wickham. Enjoy! Jack, thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm all right. I mean, one week I'm down in the dumps and the next week I'm as high as a kite. So it's, uh, it's, it's a difficult one at the moment. Fan, isn't it? Yeah, life is an North End fan. Jim? You good? Yeah, good mate. Yeah, yeah. Good. good day yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I thought we deserved it. To be fair, at, at least a point based on that second half performance. Don't think 100%. Iverson had a save to make, really, did he? And second half, half. Well, first half he's kept us in the game. Yeah, so. no second half. I mean. Anyway, before we crack on, a reminder as always that you can support us here at From the Finney with a donation. Just head over to supporter.acast.com forward slash From the Finney, and every bit of money received helps to keep the podcast and the website running. And massively appreciate it. Um, and we had earlier this week, was it? Another nice review in from uh, Hannah's dad, whoever that is. So, it's good that one, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. If you if you're on if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we'd appreciate it if you could leave us a review. That'd be very kind of you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Yesterday, obviously, we touched on it a second ago, but first five minutes, maybe ten minutes, I thought we started quite brightly, uh, but then we just petered out in the first half. After that. Long balls sort of just lumped up to n- nothing, really. Ched, I thought, struggled in the first half and nothing was sticking and it was coming back to us and Bournemouth just grew into the game. Uh, well, that, that first half, especially as it went on. You'd fully expect them to, though, wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, you, you looked at the lineup at 2 o'clock and I was like, wow, you know, littered with quality um, from front to back. But, you better know, players and- overall, would you say? Yeah. Ben Pearson can say what he likes about that. It doesn't really matter if it's a results-based business. Um, so that's drawing a line under it let's be honest um, but I thought first 15-20 minutes were alright obviously Iverson's kept us in the game three good saves first half but uh, tactically it was it was interesting because like, I've read some, something online today about DJ right? someone put like oh, Pearson kept DJ quiet all game I personally thought it was the other way around yeah. because DJ was uh, DJ was always within 15 yards of Pearson yesterday so it, it, it didn't get space to play at all. Uh, and people criticise DJ for his stuff on the ball, but he's put him right second half yesterday. But DJ did a job on Pearson yesterday, first half. And if DJ stepped into the first line and put it onto their centre-backs or put the keeper under pressure, then Alan Brown will push on out of midfield onto Pearson. So they made sure that he could not dictate the game, which I found really clever. And I thought that was really good tactically for the first half an hour at least. Um I suppose our game plan was to hit Shed and hope it felt like going forward in that first half. And don't worry, he worked his socks off again yesterday. But we've got to be better. You know, we've got to have a bit more endeavour on the ball. And I think the manager said pretty much that in his press conference yesterday. Like, he seemed a little bit disappointed with how he played first half. And, you know, that Lewis cut kept Whiteman fairly quiet. Good you player, know, just to, Yeah. I mean, look at that midfield three of Cook, Lerma who went for millions himself and then Pearson coming into that midfield. It's, it's a quality midfield at this level. Um, but 
they they not bad being little... able to bring Jack Wilshere off the bench either, is it? <laughs> but saying Ridiculous. that, his passing wasn't exactly great, was it? it was, no, it wasn't. <laughs> put first two out of play. I was like, <laughs> interesting. But no, I thought first half the goals sloppy. The goal, the goals really poor to concede because Story's done really well with Slanky up to that point, and I don't think it's a foul personally. People said like it's a foul. I think it's just weak, and we've said it before. Like Jordan Story's come on these past few weeks. We played give him kiss of death like last week when we gave him play at month. <laughs> I did anyway. Um, but I thought he was good again yesterday, apart from that one mistake. And that's all it takes against a team like Bournemouth or a quality opposition is one mistake and they'll punish you. Yeah. And that's what they did. You know, I think Story's won all 15 of his aerial duels yesterday. It's not like he's had a poor game. You know, it's five interceptions and two tackles as well. Just on yeah. the goal, um, we've had a question come in from Jack Horton Carrisforth. I think that's how you say it. Forgive me if it's not. Um, about Jordan, I'm paraphrasing a bit here, but... He's basically asked for our stance on story after, obviously, like you just said, he was at fault for the for the goal, um, and asked in the summer, do we look to find a replacement and loan him out or give him time? And I don't think, I don't think the stance has changed. But in terms of sort of the future, what 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 do you think? I, I don't think we should loan him out. He's. I think yesterday showed how much he's matured um, because he's made that error. He probably should have done better with the goal, but he still had a very good game. You know, uh, maybe two years ago, he lost his head after that and probably gone on a run of three, four games where he's played really poorly. I'm looking back at, I think it was the season where we finished 14th when it was Story and Davis as the centre half partnership. And we went on quite a, a dodgy run uh, at some point um, towards the latter end of the season. And I remember him, he came in, he was slated by a lot of sections of the fan base and he, he did struggle. But I think now at 23, he's playing enough games. I, I don't know how many games he's played actually this year, but he's playing enough games, I think, to to to, to warrant at least being a sub in our team. I mean, I think he's a decent sub option. I mean, when Patrick Bauer comes back, I think he's a shoo-in to start alongside. Yeah. Probably, if, Lee, if we can get Liam Lindsay back, looks like Lindsay will give that left-side balance. So you can have Lindsay and Bauer, in my opinion, would be my starting centre-half partnership. And then, Huntington and Story are decent options to bring off the bench. I mean, you can always look to improve at, at centre-back, especially considering we lost Ben in January. But I think it would be... if The only reason we should loan Story out is if the manager, whoever it is next year, if it's, if it's Neil or whoever it is, doesn't think, it doesn't think Story's going to play at least 15 games a season, then, yeah, yeah loan him out because it would be better for him, more beneficial for him. Well, he's, he yeah, started he's... 16 and made three sub-appearances in the league this season and obviously started the game, uh, one game in the League Cup and one game in the FA Cup. Yeah, I was going to say, it's 19 games he's played this season, but he's just this is seven in a row now. He's just put together in terms of this run since he's been in since the Rovers game. Um, I like, I, I, you know, I, I, I criticise him quite a lot at the start of the season because of his individual mistakes and because it was costing us goals. And yeah, it's cost us one yesterday, but... I then look at the last seven games that he's played. He's had three different partners at centre-R. You know, he's had Hunts yesterday, he's had Lindsay, and he's had Andrew Hughes, who's obviously missed yesterday with a knock. And it's really hard for defences, and, and you can include the goalkeeper in this as well, to have solid defensive partnerships when they keep chopping and changing. And yesterday wasn't his fault. You know, it wasn't his fault Hunts, um, Hunts came in yesterday because Hughes has got an injury. But 
I, I think you've got to keep him in the squad. I think he's showed in these last seven games that he can do it at this level. You know, dealing with what, how much does Sanky go for? Was it 15 million quid from Liverpool? When, I think they said whatever yesterday. it was. Yeah, yeah, it's just silly money in it. It's stuff that stuff of dreams for us. And I think he dealt with him really well, to be honest. So what happens when Bauer comes in and and, and Lindsay and obviously he's then got Hunts, Hughes as well, because he's probably gonna be more of a left uh, centre half long term because especially with the manager likes the two the, the right foot the left balance, foot partnership. Yeah. Um, Do we go back in for Sep as well? That's another option. I would. He's, he's naturally a centre back, isn't he? So I think he's looks very, very assured for a nineteen-year-old at this level. Yeah. Um, very promising. Um, yeah, he's, he's. I don't think he's a right back, but you can't knock him. You cannot knock his performances these last three games that he's played that because he's just he's giving us stuff going forward, solid in the tackle. He's not really making mistakes. Millwall game probably was a little bit of a. A baptism of fire, to be honest, being up against you know quality op- a better opposition that he's faced, but he's come up against Bournemouth yesterday, littered with Premier League quality in terms of Stanislas Solanke. You know, it's all over the place that their quality yesterday. So, yeah, long may his form continue. Um, I think he's he's got to stick around because does he benefit from going out on loan? Look at look at the lads that we've got out on loan, and this is. Completely off on a, a tangent now, but I right. you on a J- tangent, yeah. But Jaden Stockley didn't play yesterday. Josh Harrop started, came off after his block 60 odd minutes, got slated by the Ipswich fan base because he, he didn't put in a shift. Shock. Um, <laughs> Nugent played for Tranmere, but isn't going to be here much longer anyway. Yeah. Josh Earl was on the bench for Burton, you know, and didn't get off the, off the bench, and they've just gone on a bit of a run of form. So We've got lads who are out on loan but aren't getting a kick. You know, the two lads that have gone over to Ireland played against each other yesterday in a pre-season game. You know, and they'll be there for till what, August, September, maybe October, whenever their season finishes because it's yeah. a summer season, isn't it? So, I look at who we've got out on loan and I'm thinking, well, they're not playing. Yeah. So, you know, unless we start going down the, the, the so-called Liverpool route and the Premier League route that... If you get these players on loan, they have got to play each game, otherwise you're going to be financially penalised. But then a League One, League Two team aren't going to pe- aren't going to take that on board. They're going to be like, well, we're going to do what's best for us. We don't we don't need the financial penalty because we'll just go out and get somebody else. Well, Peter mentioned it in an interview with yourselves, didn't he? About the loan market has changed so much because of COVID, because the ourselves and other teams can't pay these big fees that everyone's demanding. So you, it's basically down to the manager now, uh, whoever's got that loan player to decide whether to play them and going back to the point on Seth I think he's done well hasn't he and he's only 19 right? you have to remember that he's only 19 and he's going to make mistakes along the way like his two foul throws on, on Wednesday or Tuesday whenever it was was pretty poor but he, that's going to happen um, at, at his age and he's only going to get better and it's not like Liverpool are probably desperate to bring him back because at the end of the day Where he's centre he off They've had a defensive crisis and he's had he's not had a look in. So they probably are looking for maybe to loan or sell him out again in the summer transfer window. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've got the option, haven't we, for next year, as long as we're playing this year. And we're not paying anything for him either this year. This is a free we've got a player for now that's filling it right back. That's doing a job. Doing a doing a cracking job, to be fair. To <laughs> yeah. Him. You know, so yeah, I, I it's funny you mentioned the file throws there, Jack, because I've I've scribbled it down and put 
he, he's solid, but he can't take a throw in. It, it, it worries me every time I look. But as a centre half, he's never going to have the opportunity to take a throw in, is he? So he's played for, as a centre back for 19 years. Doesn't need to take a throw in in that position because yeah. your full backs or your, or your, or your wing backs usually take it unless you've got a specialist thrower in the team. So when's he actually ever had an opportunity to throw a football? Throw it's in? no excuse. It, Everyone should know, I know I how to throw I was going to say, still, you, you'd think he'd know how to throw a football. Oh, mate, Probably. I've seen some shock. Yeah, but we've all seen it playing Sundays or playing Saturdays, whatever. When someone who's never taken a throw in before does it, and it's like, what is that? You know. <laughs> Second half yesterday, obviously, was was much improved. Uh, DJ playing a lot closer to Evans, and second half, yeah, just overall was was much better. Yeah, can't really fault him. Second half, thought they actually, you know, they created. You know, that, um, Begovic just pulled off a great save um, from was it was it Barkew cutting on his right foot? I forgot, or is it White? No, Whiteman from the Whiteman corner, from the corner, wasn't it? The second yeah. phase of the corner. And I think we've got we've we've got the momentum at that point. You know, the goal was coming. Yeah, you could feel we, it, couldn't you? Yeah, I thought we kicked on. The subs were good yesterday. Let's not beat around the bush. Two positive changes, bringing on Gordon and, and Maguire, giving them and, enough time to impact the game as well. Exactly, because I mean, don't wrong, we criticised the subs midweek, but giving those two the, the opportunity to actually impact the game was was good to see. And yeah, giving Steve Cook the ball was. Um, <laughs> The, the right thing to do you know because <laughs> as Ben Pearson says he's shit um, <laughs> yeah no I feel complaints. like it was a case of if, if the fans were there in Deepdale it packed out in the town end you probably have a lot more fans than average because we're playing Bournemouth and you're playing maybe you're playing Ben Pearson and stuff I feel like it's one of those where the, the town end kind of sucks the ball into the goal sort of thing in the yeah. second half when we're on top Um and obviously, I mean, it, you'd have taken a point at the start of the game, though, uh, yeah. and especially with at half time. I mean, we were lucky if it wasn't for Everson, would have been two or three down. So, um, yeah, I think especially bringing on Anthony Gordon was was a good sub, and I actually agreed with not starting him because he looked tired midweek. So he, you know, at his age, um, you don't want to burn him out too much. No, he wanna, needs to be managed properly, doesn't he? Yeah. I think Alex said, didn't he, after the game in his press match uh, interviews that he'd picked up a, a bruise on his foot or something like that against Millwall, and that's why he was he was struggling against Millwall. So, yeah, no issues with it. And like like we said, he, he he gave the subs enough time to come on and actually impact the game and and put the stamp on it. And I thought Shawnee looked good. Yeah, we were a better team with Shawnee McGuire in, in it. Let's be honest. You know our results this season when we've got when we've picked up wins. Sean is usually in that in that side. Um, yeah. Yes, he's not got the pace that he had when he first joined the club. We've talked about that enough, and he's he's adapted his game. But <laughs> thought he did well out wide yesterday. So you prefer um, him out wide than up top, Jimmy? Um, depends who we're playing. Personally, um, he hasn't got the pace to get in behind anymore. And you look at what Ched's doing now in terms of him just being a, an absolute battering ram. Uh, as well as having that quality about him, then he's going to be second or third choice up front now. So he's, for him to have an established length of time here now, he's going to have to adapt to being you know, that left-sided player like he was when, when Callum left, for example, because that position became his in, in yeah. essence. So, yeah, I, I think he's that's where he's going to have to go in terms of, you know, he's, he's 15th or 16th now in terms of minutes played this season for us. So... The injuries have sort of affected him more than anything this season, but we're a better team for me personally with him in it than when we are without him. So 
just offers us something. Just offers us something different. And his work rate's really strong as well. You know, like he's underappreciated as well. Massively underappreciated, yeah. Covers a lot of ground. Good yeah. good defensively. He's like Barkazen. Um if if you've got both of them in the team, sometimes you feel like it's maybe lacking a bit of creativity because they both work the socks off. So as you get yeah. to 50, 60 minutes, they're both shattered because they never stop running where sometimes maybe it's better to have like a, a prima donna out wide and a workhorse on the other side sort of thing to give you a bit of balance when you're trying to attack as well. Yeah. Um, on, on the second half, Kyle Fleming's asked on Twitter, what's stopping us from playing like we did the majority of the second half, but all game? It's, it's difficult that because... You've got to remember there's an opposition as well yeah. that we're playing. It's not just all about us. And to be fair, that first half, I thought we were a little, not scared, but we gave Bournemouth far too much respect. You know, and I think that's... Not, again, Ale- the, Alex alluded to that, didn't he? Said it's not that. usually been the case that this season, though, no. in some games. Like, when we've gone to Brentford, we've shown them no respect second half. You know, there's game Norwich, that, what was it, second game of the season? Shown them no yeah. respect all game. We've just, we've just played our played our way, and I think you look at these last three games, maybe four actually. Alex Neal's sort of gone back to how he was in terms of sub the opposition. Let's just play our way, you know. And some games the players aren't going to carry that out to a T. You know, yesterday first half probably sort of rounds that up, but second half I thought they were, they were quite fearless in the the way they attacked the game and. We're always better. I know it sounds strange, but we're better, a better team without the ball because as soon as we win it, then in transition we're bloody sh- we, we we hurt teams. You yeah. know, yesterday that goal's come from transition. They've lost the ball. We've scored within what two or three seconds. The two goals against Huddersfield, you know, six touches from losing the ball to the ball being in the back of the net. We're, we're very clinical in transition in that way. We'll come on to Wickham in a bit, but Wickham last three five games they average like. Th- 32% possession. So on Saturday, when we go to Wickham, they're going to let us have the ball. And to be honest, that's not our game. You know, we're no. better. We're better without the ball and then trying to, you know, counter and break on a team or in transition, whatever you want to call it in terms of the modern words for, for it. But on the counter attack, if you want to use the old terms, then that's when we're at our best. So, and you don't have to look at the amount of goals we scored this season from counter-attacking or from just them losing the ball and then the ball being in the back of their net. You know, Bournemouth, when we went to Bournemouth, that Sinclair goal, you know, what is it, four passes? Yeah. From Slanky having a shot to, the, even, to Sinclair even the first dinking one. the keeper. Yeah. So, so we break from their corner, don't we? And it's probably, again, four, five, six passes and it's in the back of the net. And I think that's our strength as a, as a team under Alex Neil. You know, it's... I forgot who we played. Um, it was Neil Harris who said it, so it might have been Cardiff start at season. But you don't go to Preston and attack. You, you let them have the ball because, I, and it showed with their goal they scored that day when is it Ojo when they've focused on a, a counter attack. Hughes has missed his tackle. Bowers missed his. The next minute, Ojo's put it to the you know to the keeper's near post. You know, but he's had that that run after we've had a corner. I think it was at the time. You know, so. We're, we're suspect to it as well. We're suspect to the counter-attack. I thought, yeah, I've actually scribbled it down to my notes yesterday. We were massively wide open to, to the counter-attack, especially first half, um, just because they've got the quality to be able to put four or five passes, quick passes together, and next minute we're under the cosh a little bit. So, yeah, I, let's look, you know, take all the positives from yesterday. I thought we actually did well 
you know, second half, you look at it, if you want to look at it from a 90-minute perspective, yeah, we probably could have done better first half, but it only takes, you know, two or three seconds to score a goal that, that gets you a point from the game. And Good finish from DJ as well, isn't it? DJ evolved that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I saw um, some highlights from a League One game. Can't remember who it was, but again, there was similar instance. He picks a ball up on the edge of the box, just sort of shuffles it onto his left and slots it in the bottom corner and thinking at the time it's been a while since we've seen one of them from DJ but the Birmingham away one always stands in my mind not that I can remember after the game like <laughs> it, you know but that, that was DJ you know that striding through mid, then left foot bang you know bottom corner place sort of place but place to a power finish you yeah, know yeah. just inside the post yeah I thought yeah people say to DJ yesterday I was like I don't didn't really see it because he's worked right off the ball and now he keep, kept Pearson quiet because you know like look how we used to play Pearson made us tick for the vast majority of the time. You look at us defensively now, we've dropped deeper. You know, Ben Whiteman's playing as more of a quarterback sort of role because he's a deep line playmaker. He's not his box-to-box player that people think that we were signing. He's very much uh, giving the ball and he'll dictate play. You know, and yeah, if he does get it 25 yards out from goal, he'll have a, he'll have a shot. You know, find me a centre midfielder that's got anything about him that wouldn't do that. Yeah. I've always felt DJ's like... I don't know whether this is a bad comparison, but I've always thought he's like our Paul Pogba because he's so frustrating at times because we know how good he can be. We know that he can be a top championship player on his day. Like Man United think with, Man United fans think with Pogba, but he's inconsistent. And that, that's the thing that frustrates people about Johnson. And maybe it's the way he runs and the way he struts. Like People think he's arrogant, and but he, he does cover ground and he, he does press quite well. Like you said, he, he, he kept Pearson quiet yesterday. I and think... It goes underrated, really, the, the work that Johnson does. And I think people forget that he was our player of the season last year, which was voted by the fans. And then six months later, everyone's happy slated. to see him go. Yeah. 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 I it's think funny that's, he's not... that's the big thing for me. Whenever I see something about DJ or a crit- criticism of him, it's on the rare occasion been racist for a start. Um, but a lot, a lot of the time, I think it's, People seem to get a bee in the bonnet about the way that he carries himself, and yeah, and that that for me, you don't judge a player on that. You judge a player on the work that they do, and I think sometimes people need to look at the the bigger picture and actually take a look at what he's doing on the pitch and what he's contributing, as opposed to the way, like you say, Jack, the way that he runs or whatever. Because it's at the end of the day, the way a player runs doesn't look at Sterling. He runs like a T Rex, but he's a world class <laughs> player. <laughs> The other thing with DJ is he's only started three of the last 11 games. You know, before yesterday, the last game he started was the Cardiff shambles. And he started the game before that against Watford. Um, oh, no, sorry, four. I, I, I can't count. Started against Rovers, Watford, Cardiff and Bournemouth. So four starts in 11 games. So, like, it's hard for him to put any sort of form together. And he deserved that yesterday. Because, like, the previous three games came off of... 11 minutes against Millwall, a minute against Huddersfield, and four minutes against QPR. So, like, what's that? 16 minutes in the space of about three weeks before yesterday. It's hard to get get him going. And it's, I thought he just did a, a good job yesterday. Like, effective more than anything, but great finish. Can't take that away from him. Was he getting your best 11? It's tough, isn't it? In a 10 roll, yeah, I think at the minute. I think it's For between me, him I, and Potts, I, probably, isn't it? Well, there's Potts, there's Brown. I Brown, think we've yeah. got a lot of players that 
because they can play quite versatile and they can play more than one position, it means that the best 11 probably changes from week to week. You know, if you go away from home, you play play pots in the 10 because of his work, right? Um, I think Ched's nailed on for the number nine at the minute. And out wide, you've got Sinclair or Maguire for the left. You've got Barkey or Gordon for the right, potentially. You've got options all over the pitch, which mm. is great. But keeping everyone happy for the manager's point of view is going to be bloody difficult. Tough, isn't it? Just um, on, um, obviously, we, we touched on Shawnee Maguire before, but just on that sort of striker position, moving into the summer, do you think we need to look at bringing another one in? I think there's going to be... We're only halfway through the rebuild. I've said this quite a few times. You know, and there's positions that do need strengthening. I think fullback needs strengthening at right back. You know, Sepp's playing well, but he's got no competition there at the minute, apart from a centre fielder and Joe Rafferty. Um, left back, I think we might be all right now with Greg and Hughes. Centre half, we probably need a less. Got less Josh Bell to come back in as well, haven't we? Mm. Yeah, but is he going to get. Is, if you've got Greg and Hughes there, does Earl, who's still on the bench for Burton, who I know, I know we're in form, like playing like a, a top team at the moment. But Has you know, not... they're a bottom half league one side. Yeah, yeah. Has he not been injured recently, Josh? No, he, he got, got sent, sent off. Actually, oh, that yeah. was it. He got sent off, didn't he? He started the first three games. He went there, then got sent off, and then he's missed a game. Then he's not. He's been on bench last three. So that doesn't Takes help. Him. Loan him out again. So how many loans can you give give a same guy? Like, because he's, yeah. he's where's he been now? He's been to don't forget as well. Bolton, he just signed the new deal and stuff, didn't he? Yeah, Bolton Ipswich on loan because he's not. He's only played about 30, 40 games for us. You know, so he's what is he twenty two? Yeah, because he doesn't fit, he doesn't fit into under twenty one criteria, does he? So no. it's only Bailey who did. So you get to that point now where he needs games. Yeah, I'm just thinking um, as well though if if we do end up moving Andrew Hughes over to that sort of left centre-back position, then that leaves us just with Greg. And are the club really going to look at Josh Earl and say, yeah, he's a backup. We'll, like, what do they do? I mean, obviously his fans were going to say, if he's not good enough, we need to replace him with a better option, but... It's not as simple as that, is it? You know, no, you look at... It's not a game of FIFA, is it? We've said that numerous no. times. The other thing is, I mean, obviously, I know we spoke, spoke about the salary cap with Peter, but now that's been abolished, that might actually help us in the summer read some of these players on. You yeah. know, like Conor Ripley, Joe Rafferty, Jaden Stockley. It'll probably help them get a move to League One where they can be on a little bit less than what they want here, probably. But at least they can get that move now where, it because of the cap and because of a lot of teams quite close to the two and a half million cap in League One, it meant that, Literally, teams are having moves weren't, pay, on, weren't on the no, table. They were were paying, they? Minimal, paying really minimal fees for them. Yeah. So, I think summer's massive. You know, let's just get through these next 11 games because I've said it numerous times. I can't wait for a break because I'm sick of football. Yeah, same. Same. Um, back to your point, Jake. Uh, yeah. Just back on the striker thing. Um, I think if, I think you, you'll give Ched a contract now with how, how he's performed. You've got Reese, who's still young. And then, like Jimmy said, you've got you've got Sean Maguire on, on, on as a third option to come on as well. So, he's don't forget the player about, that's going to um, score. Don't forget about Louis Malt as well. Oh well, I don't know whether he's going to get given a contract with him being out for that, that's, is it eighteen that's months my now. Yeah, it'd be it'd be going on two years, won't it? By the time he he leaves, if he does leave in the summer, um, that's where my thinking for maybe another body, because mm. clubs usually carry three or four. 
whether we carry four or not. It depends what direction you're going in. I mean, with Alex Neal, if if if, you, if Alex Neal staying sort of thing, as I hope he does, um, he tends to play one up front unless sometimes he goes with two two up front. But usually it's one up front, and he likes a, a Chad Evans type player, doesn't he? Which I think Reese has the potential to play in that role. You know, bringing his link up. Well, his link up play is good. Maybe improving certain aspects of his game where yeah. so maybe it's more. Up here with Reese. I think um, it seems like his intelligence isn't there yet. Reading between the lines as well, he seems like a massive confidence player from what yeah. Alex Neil. I think George did an interview with Alex about him and uh, not too not too long ago. And it seems from that that he's he's a player that maybe will focus on the negative side of his game too much as opposed to looking at the positives. Yeah, he's massive confidence. Who did he have that chance against when his head completely went after that? It was, it was Rovers, Yes, when he should have gone down with penalty, yeah. um, potentially. But then, like for the last ten minutes of the game, he just wasn't in it because he's yeah. just missed an absolute sitter. Um, just on what I just mentioned before about being sick of football. By the time the season ends, when we play Forest on eighth of May, well, they played fifty-seven games in forty-six weeks. Jesus, that's why. I, like, so we've got eleven games to go. So what we've played now, forty-six in about thirty-seven, thirty-eight weeks. It's why it's everyone's a, lot, a bit knackered. It? Yeah, everyone's just knackered. Right? And mentally, that's why, for me, in the championship, there's teams that are just putting weird results together, weird runs, not winning. You know, Because as soon as you get into that mindset of like, they can't pick up points, the people, the team, teams are just knackered. And like the strength and depth for some teams isn't there either. Um, on, in terms of carrying players, you look at the likes of Swansea, for example. I think they've only got 22 or 23 registered players. Because they're topped up by under twenty ones, and they, but they built in quality. You know they brought in the the two American lads. I know uh, Jordan Morris obviously got an injury, so he's gone back. But they're bringing in quality. You know, look at when you looks in, you looks in, in it. And when they get a ninety seventh minute penalty twice in a week, you looks in. You look yeah. definitely in, <laughs> and you know you can debate until the, so the cows come home in terms of if that second penalty yesterday is a penalty because for me it's very much debatable. But they're now a point off second with two games in hand. You looks in at that point, isn't it? You're thinking, well, not so. that it means much, but it's looking good for my prediction of Swansea finishing second. Yeah, unless any of you two boys have got anything else to add, then I think we can wrap part one up. No, it's just good to get a point from behind. Yeah, it's not, no, it's not very much so. So it's seventh point we've got from a losing position this season. So let's just let's look on the positives and, and take it from there. It's just nice to draw another game, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, what is it? Fifth, yeah, fifth of the season, isn't it? Yeah. So we've we've now won and drawn more than we've lost. And what, still, what does that What does that mean, Jim? Means we're not getting bit. We don't means get we've, relegated. It does. We're, we're six points off safety. That, honestly, fifty points is the mark of this year. Look at. We won't get some, relegated. No, we're not in, we're we're in no way. danger. We're 12 points off where we were last season, by the way. So, yeah, we have been shit. But let's just look at the, let's look at it like from a neutral perspective. We've lost our best centre half, lost our best centre midfielder, lost our other centre half to injury and our keeper. Granted, Everson's come in and he's done a cracking job in the 12 games he's played. But, you know, we've one defeat at home in the last four now. We're nine points out of Birmingham. We're, they're going to go for me. Birmingham will go down. I hope they, they do. 
because you. Rotherham will come out of it. They're having another COVID break now, aren't they? So they've got another week off. Who, hey, Rotherham? Yeah, because they've uh, had yesterday called off and then midweek called off as well. Like, they're going to have to play. It, their schedule is going to be intense, but if they pick up a bit of momentum and they start winning, you know... Look at Barnes last season. Barnes are right. I think we're going to come on to it in the second half, but they picked up 81 points from the last 48 games. That's top two form. It's not, not playoff form. Yeah. But... Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, right. Yeah. Cheers, boys. I'll go and get a brew and see you in part two. Sound. The From the Finney podcast is brought to you in partnership with our title sponsor, Lanks Live. Lanks Live is the most popular news source in the county and is run entirely by a local team who all care dearly about the areas in which they live. On to matters football, specifically Preston North End, and George Hodgson is their man at Deepdale. He's a North End fan and he asks the questions that the fans want answered. The best thing about Lanks Live is that the news is all free to read and the best way to keep on top of it all is by downloading the app or signing up to the newsletter. Head on over to lanks.live and sign up today. To stay up to date with all the latest news coming from Deepdale, follow their dedicated Twitter account, at PNE Live. And now, back to the podcast. Welcome back to part two of the From the Finney podcast. In this part, we've got a few more listener questions and then we'll round off the episode by looking ahead to next Saturday's game against Wickham. So I'll open up part two with an open question to you, but I suspect, Jack, you might be fighting Jim for some airtime on this one. Um, This one's from Sean Wilson on Twitter who asks, how are Barnsley sixth when people insist it's impossible to be higher than your budget allows? Does this suggest that more could be done with our squad if the right man was in charge? I think we need to look at Barnsley as a um, a case study for our future as a football club. And I think a lot of clubs in the Championship should do the same. Um, this isn't luck that it's happened. Yes, it might have been luck last season to a certain degree with Wigan getting the 12-point deduction and staying up on the last day, winning I think the last three games, going to Brentford and winning when Brentford needed a point to get promoted automatically. Um, you can say that's luck, but you can say it's also judgment as well. Um, they've got a, a great philosophy throughout the club. You know, clubs not, in not Europe, just like, their club either. It's, no, it's, so, the, it's the sister clubs as well, isn't it? Yeah, so since the Chinese owner came in, I think it's four years ago, they've acquired Nancy in France, Ostend in Belgium, and another one. Um, they've got four clubs within, the, I suppose, the, the group, if that makes sense. So obviously it's a head coach role, um, there now it doesn't matter who the coach is so obviously they've got Ismail there now but they've had Stendhal they've had Struber it's very much like the Watford role uh, where they can dispose of the manager or dispose of the head coach and they'll, they'll already have a shortlist of who the next ones are to come in you know they, they're not just it didn't take them long to appoint Ismail they, you know they didn't go weeks and weeks with a caretaker for example but you know let's look at it their recruitment's good. They've recruited well from the continent in the past. I know, obviously, the Brexit rule is going to change that potentially. But well, they brought, they brought in, in Daryl Dyke from Daryl Dyke, so from the MLS with a, a an option to buy. Debated what it is, but it was reported in the press to be fifteen million dollars. Now you don't bring a player of that quality in with that short, sort of option to buy unless you've got plans, you know, to actually push on. You know, I said in the first half, eighty-one points from the last forty-eight games. I think if we even that out, that put that guess you second or third in most seasons. Um, and that's over the last 12 months. That's from pretty much this point last year when football stopped. 
you know, it's a year ago today since that QPR debacle when the Tinker Man started changing everything around for no reason. So, yeah, I think it doesn't really matter. You know, people can say Barnsley are getting the best out of these players and it's because of the coach or it's because of them, you know, who they've got in charge. I think you've got to look at the bigger picture and what Barnsley are doing as a football club on and off the pitch. It's ambitious. It absolutely is. It's a philosophy and they're sticking to it. You know, what for the... You could also look at Watford in that sort of guise as well. I know people look at Watford as a complete car crash under the Pozzo family at times. But realistically, last season was the first time they'd got it wrong in terms of sacking the managers. Yeah. You know, I think they've, I, and that's going back to, is it Kike Flores who they brought back in for the second or third time? You know, it didn't work the second time. So why bring you back a third time is beyond me. Um, Another one, Brentford. They've got obviously connections with, um, Osterson, not Ostersons. Uh, Mitchelland. Mitchelland. Yes, yeah. Bec- because the guy who owns Brentford owns them as well. Um, yeah. But, oh, I forgot his name. Matthew Bennon. That's the one. Yeah. Pro Gambler. Yeah, so mo- he's a pro gambler. He's a pro gambler. Oh, is he? Yeah. yeah that's how I, know he's, I know he's big on that Moneyball philosophy, isn't he? Which makes sense if he's a pro gambler. Which works. And I mean, you look at, their, at Brentford, Huddersfield as well. You know, there's a lot of teams who've scrapped their academies recently. You know, and gone down the B team or the under 23s football route. You know, Brentford are picking up these lads from under 18s academies across London, across the UK, to, and uh, the rest of the well, the rest of Europe before the Brexit rules changed. And they can pull, I suppose, pull all these players together for their B teams that are playing against quality opposition most weeks. And then if they're ready to step up into the first team, then they can do. Didn't Ollie Watkins go the B route? When he went from Exeter, did he play? I think he played games not, in the B team potentially, not sure and then stepped might up. Have been, yeah. But they've got because their philosophy and their their thinking and mindset as a football club, it's not an overnight fix. It's taken two, three, four, five, potentially longer years for it to get to this point. You know, Barnsley, it's took four years, but in the top six for the first time since two thousand and seven this morning. So, I think long and short, the answer is. The manager isn't the only problem we've got as a football club. You know, if you can tell me what our identity is off it in terms of our recruitment strategy, you know, our our forward planning for the next two, three, four, five years, then fair play to you because I can't really see it. <laughs> it's you know? it's funny, isn't it? Because we've gone from what what we were doing in League One, which was sort of maybe using our pull as as a as a big club in inverted commas in League One and, and bringing the likes of Paul Gallagher in and Callum Robinson, Daniel Johnson. And then we kind of continued that when we first got promoted. Obviously, Ben Pearson, big name that springs to mind, came from United's Academy. But then since that, we've moved away from that. And for for lack of a better phrase, we bought in League One and League Two journeymen, really that have little to no potential sell-on value and haven't really in their time offered anything to the club. So, But we stopped that. We stopped, the, the last one we brought in of that ilk was, was David Nugent and to a certain extent Andre Green that didn't work out as alone. Yeah. But since that point, we've not signed anybody that's a duck egg. No. We look at all, all our transfers since then. Yeah. They've all either got proven quality at this level or they're a, a young, ambitious player that we've got in on loan. And we hadn't gone down that route before these lads signed in January. I think we'd made, was it, what was it, four loan signings in the first three and a half years of Alex Neal? 
and then we made seven in in January this year. So it's completely tipped on its head, and you can tell that we've changed our strategy in terms of transfers from that sort. That Nugent signing is pivotal for me because since then we've not made a sign of that ilk since. You know, and you look at the transfer windows previously. We just brought in, we brought in numbers and. I did a piece for Lanks Live and I said, look, the manager, he's telling you every week he wants quality. He doesn't want quantity anymore. He just wants proven quality. And it, his expectations changed. I think we played, was it Bristol City at the last game of the season? He's like, I want I want three in. You know, I want three, you know, two or Good three, player. I think, he's, quality players to improve the 11. And by the time September came when we signed, or was it October when we signed Emil Reese? Yeah. He's like, I've got one, but I need I need another one. We didn't get another one until January when we've just brought in every man in his dog, it feels, and it's been a complete overhaul. And it's always going to take time for this team to settle and to, to gel. You know, it's a massive overhaul. You know, look at the players yesterday that didn't... And the past couple of weeks, to be honest, that weren't here um, at the start of January. You know, Everson yesterday, Sepp, Hunts and Story were here. Story wasn't playing. Greg wasn't here. Whiteman wasn't here. Evans wasn't here. Um, Gordon wasn't here. Just, just, you, can, you can keep going through the team. It's like all these players are new to the club. It's going to take them time to gel and to get used to our way of playing. And, and I also think a very important point to point out is that obviously it's going to take time to get used to the manager's style of play and get used to the patterns of play and stuff. But socially, it's difficult for the players now because... They can't go out for a beer on a Saturday night or anything like that. I mean, they went to that Bluger for the Christmas do, and they got absolutely slated, didn't they? So, like, that, yeah. they can't they can't just go round and nip round and have a game of FIFA at one of the lads' house, sort of thing. Like, socially, the only time they get to see each other is on the training ground, where the manager Alex Neal, uh, by all accounts, is is a bit more strict than maybe Grayson was. I used to go and watch training a lot when Grayson was in charge and, you know, you saw like DJ and Hugo, like they're always joking about sort of thing where I've not been as much during Alex's time, but from what I've been told, it's a bit more, you know, a bit more rigid in terms of, you know, there's, you don't mess around, you're here to train Structure sort of thing. And, so yeah. they're not getting to know each other socially as well, which it, it's difficult when you're having such an overhaul as we did in January for all these new players to come in and let's not, let's not beat around the bush. I don't think there's a January sign that you can say is, is a fa- has failed. They've all been so far, they've all been pretty decent. There's not yeah, a yeah. single one that you can say is a bad signing. They've all done well, arguably. I mean, if Daniel Everson keeps up his performances, you're looking at him as a, a contender for player of the season. If he keeps it up, even, even if he's only played half a season, he's been that good in my opinion anyway that he's got to be considered up there. Um, and going back to the question, Jake, about overachieving and Barnsley, I mean, you're looking at everyone's budget and obviously we're bottom bottom half budget. We're probably uh, in and around QPR, Millwall. Luton and Barnsley going about it a, a better way than your QPRs and your, your Sheffield Wednesdays and your North Ends because, like you said, they've got a long-term plan. They've got an objective. You know, br- Brentford and Brighton, they didn't just click the fingers and become a, a, a team towards the top end. And Brighton are now in the Premier League. You know, they had a plan there. And, you know, it's built from the younger teams all the way up to the to the top teams. And I think where we're going wrong massively is no under-23 side. You know, it's like Adam O'Reilly, I saw, that, was it this last week, came out and said yeah. he hadn't played a professional game for six months until he joined. Quite scathing, wasn't he? 
Yeah, which he's got a point. I mean, there's a reason why Tyrese Dolan came out and said even if he was offered a contract, he might have gone somewhere else anyway because these players are playing for North End all the way up. You know, It's a decent pathway, decent academy. But then as soon as it gets up to under-23s, we don't have an under-23s, we don't have reserves. We don't have, even if our, our, some players get injured and they need to dip the waters into reserve team football, we don't have that team to play for. So I, I, I think that, needs to be one of the first things that North End need to look at at bringing in. And COVID's affected that as well because you can't play yeah. bounce games. So, you know, we used to have probably a bounce, one or two bounce games a month under Alex Neal to get these lads who are on the fringes or not in the 18 as it was game time. But COVID's completely changed the game with that because you can't have a Burnley or a Blackburn or, a, you know, a Morecambe coming to Springies or Exton as it is now and playing a bounce, a bounce game. I think Conor Ripley scored in one, didn't he, about six yeah. months ago. Against Burnley, like, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think that's one of the last times you had a bounce game. But that's when COVID restrictions weren't as strict as they are now. So I think, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of things that we could do better and we could do differently. And I know this is a very long answer to the question, but I think... So I think you mentioned Luton there, Jack, and Jay Sotrich has gone there. He played analytic on Twitter, and you know he's gone there as head of recruitment. And I think you know there will be changes and you know different cha- challenges in terms of recruitment, and a lot of people going down the analytics route. Obviously, Ollie's left us because he's got a paid job in football now, you know. And I think a lot of things like that will happen, and maybe North End will catch up. It might take him 12, 18 months, two years potentially, but. I can see a change like that coming in to actually improve how we recruit and how we analyse the game. But if, if it's not at the standard that we want it to be at this moment in time. No, completely agree. Um, and I think, like you said, at the start of that, I think it's something that a lot of championship clubs will start to transition toward as well over the coming years. Um, you know, the, the successes outweigh the negatives in terms of clubs that have, have done or have tried to do similar things. And more often than not, it's paid off. You know, the clubs we've mentioned are all doing well, successful. Maybe not so much Luton, but Barnsley, Brentford, Brighton, um, all all doing very well. And yeah, I think it's, I think COVID's going to be the start of a sea change for football, especially at our level and, and probably League One as well. So... So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting few years, definitely. Next one, then. This one's from Mark Broth on Twitter, and he's asked for our thoughts on Whiteman. I like him. Good player. Composed, quality. Uh, perhaps perhaps doesn't suit our style of play at times, because it kind of bypasses him, in my opinion, anyway. Because sometimes, like yesterday, especially in the first half, we were going long towards Evans, where... He's the sort of player that in that Doncaster team, he he picked up the ball and, and played through the lines and he switched and played vertical passes. And he, he, he's got that quality about him. And I, I, I definitely think he's he's going to be a, a top, top player. I've, I said when he signed, I said I was quite bold and said he's, he'll be our player of the season next year because I've, from what I've seen from him at Doncaster, you know, we've not seen the goal side of him yet, but we've seen him have shots. We've seen him challenge the goalkeeper. He's, he's brave. He takes set pieces. Um, and I think he's a real leader in there. And, and George has mentioned I've not been able to go on games uh, the last the last month because I've been up in London. But George mentioned that when you actually go to games and watch Ben Whiteman and watch the 
you notice him more because he's there shouting at everyone. You know, he's a real leader on the pitch. And when you've got a team full of new players and full of lone players, that's what you need. And it shows a, a maturity to to his game that he's come in and within a few couple of weeks or within the first game, maybe he's already showing that passion and that leadership qualities that maybe we we lost when we we uh, when Ben Davis left. Yeah, it's always going to take him time to adjust to the level as well. I mean, you've got, you've got to remember that before, now he'd only ever played at League One, League Two level. Um, you know, six seasons in League One before he's obviously made the step up to the Championship. I think we will see more from him next season. He is more, like I said in the first half, he's more of that quarterback sort of role, isn't he? You know, in terms of he, will, he wants to dictate play and he's not going to get as much time and space as he did in League One. But he's a clever player and it'll take him a little time to adjust to the level. I think defensively he's getting better. First two yeah. or three games, I thought, well, he what? was way off it. Wasn't he it? was well off it defensively. But it's taking him time to settle into the structure, settle into our, our styles and patterns of play. Um, I was looking through his FBF stats, you know, he's had nine shots in his 11, well, 12 games he's played for us, four on target. I think the goals will come. You know, a lot of his goals came from. Penalties at Doncaster. I think he scored like 11, was it 11 goals from open play? But then like five or six penalties during that time as well, so during his goals at Doncaster. So I'm not sure how many of them are free kicks either because obviously it looks like he's good at, from a dead ball situation. So tested the keeper yesterday as well. I think he's good. I think he's good on the ball. Um, you know, and it took Lewis Cook to keep him quiet yesterday. Type, you know, type of player to build a team round. I hate that term. Um because you want to build you, you you want to build your team around the core of the team more than anything, but you yeah. don't build it around one particular player. Um, I think if you've got a core, I think you need someone with him permanently, whether it be Ledson or Brown potentially. I'm not sure. I don't think Brown's a six. I, just, I think Brown's better in that ten role. Um, and then obviously the two centre halves and the keeper behind him. I think you, you focus on that core five through the middle, or six if you include the ten. I think that's where you focus your attentions. You don't just focus on one player. Last last one then before we look ahead to the Wickham game. Jim, this is coming from one of your mates, uh, Ben. Ben Dover, is it, I think? Uh, don't start. Don't wind me up. Um, anyway, he's asked, with, the, with our championship status all but secured and fans returning to stadiums from next season, do you think the club should start looking at marketing season tickets now with a view to putting them on sale in April, which would be four months before the start of the season? that would then give fans time to save for slash pay off their season tickets before the season starts. And this is a two-parter. Also, given the current financial climate that we're all in, do you think that the club should look to offer a service to pay for the season tickets over those months without using a credit company? For example, a £400 season ticket would be paid off by July, so before the season starts, if they were to go on a sale from April. I think when Peter came on the podcast, he said he was looking at options for next season, didn't he? Um, I think there's got to be an option for fans because some fans can't get credit. You know, if you've got if you're blacklisted or you've had like you know a, a few dodgy years when you were younger and you can't get a credit card or you can't get stuff on finance, then the finance option isn't always there for people. And I think it's a, an interest rate as well, so it's like an extra twenty or thirty quid if you do it to whatever the partner was last year. Could the club take it in the house themselves? Well, we've got the season cards now. You can just deactivate a season card if they don't keep up payments or yeah. if they've not made the £400 payment 
bit bad start of the season, then the, they don't the card it. doesn't get activated. You know, and I think we've just got to be maybe a little bit clever or a little bit, you know, use our different initiatives to use the cards because I think the cards are a great option. You know, you can deactivate them by a click of a button probably as well. So it only takes an email saying your card's deactivated because you've not made your payment. Um, have we got the staffing to do it? I don't know. Probably I think not. that's probably that's probably the other thing to consider because we do run on, on a little bit of a skeleton staff in terms of back of house. And I think we do need to do something about next season. You know, we're what four months off, five months off to start next season. It's probably about yeah, five months to five months this weekish. Yeah, give or take a couple of days. So, and I think just on the point of the current climate as well, I think the the more chance you give people to put money to one side based off sort of, you know, giving people the an idea of figures, the more chance you're going to get that people will buy as well. Because people have, people will have fallen out of the habit of going to the games. You know, it's been 12 months since last step foot in deep now. It's 12 months today. Yeah. And, you know, some people have got other priorities. And, if you know, the wives or partners have said, well, you can don't need to go every week anymore. You know, you can watch on the IFL or you can... Listen to it on the radio, watch it, and you know, keep up to date on Twitter, etc. And it's going to take us time to keep up to date with the keep, get everybody back in the ground and get everyone up to speed. I think yeah. there's going to be a bit of nervousness about going into the grounds anyway, from a social point of view, because let's be honest, we haven't been around more than sort of five or six people in the past twelve months, apart from being in the supermarket, and that's when you're surrounded by a load of other people, and you sort of do get a little bit nervous about being surrounded Even by that- people. That's a solitary act, though, isn't it? Exactly. So, you know, getting back into the swing of things is going to take time. I think if, I don't know if it's got a countdown or something like that, you know, countdown to next season, you know, and make a big deal about out of it, big marketing campaign, you know, let's get back fans back in the ground, you know, Destination Deepdale or something like that. I haven't a clue. It's not my specialism, to be Deepdale. honest. You've heard it first, folks. <laughs> Yeah, whatever, you know, that's just off the top of my head, but I'm yeah, sure yeah. there's guys at the club that are having these conversations already. We do need to do something because we can't just expect five, six, seven, eight thousand season ticket holders to automatically renew. And yeah, there's been a lot of guys who've took option one and give, give the club the money for this season and fair play to them. You know, a lot of them have rolled it over. You know, what, what was it, option two? Some have took a full refund, but those guys who have took a full refund, we just... They, are they going to come back? Are they just going to get a half-season ticket? Are they just going to pick, the sh- pick, and, get, pick and choose the games? We just don't know. You um, think there'll be more fans back at Deepdale or less? No, I think across the board, it'd be less fans. Really? Because there'll be, because there'll be a real nervousness for me. You know, mm. There'll be a social nervousness about returning to you know, big stadiums. People will struggle with it, I think, psychologically, because they're not... You know, and, for some people, it'd be really tough, you know, mentally. People's mental health has been battered during this pandemic. You know, some people have spelt, spent the best part of the last 12 months inside on their own. Yeah. So the thought of going out to a stadium with up to 10,000 or however many other people, it's going to be a Nervous. big thing. Yeah. I don't wrong, I can't, you know, I personally can't, get, can't wait to get out of the house, but I'm surrounded by people every day in my job. So I'm, I'm still used to seeing people, if that makes sense. For some people, they've, they've literally seen their kids or their partner for the last 12 months, and that's the only social interaction they've had apart from on Zoom like we're doing today. And that'll be tough 
that'd be really tough for a lot of people. Um, and we don't know what restrictions are going to be in place in August. There might still be a social distancing aspect that we don't know about yet because it's still... Well, this, this roadmap all depends, doesn't it, on all sorts of different factors. So even though we've got the steps in place and, and the dates in place, it's all going to be with a pinch of salt to an extent. Yeah, but it's like any road. It's going to have fucking potholes in. <laughs> yeah, especially around here. Fucking hell. I know, but this is this is the issue. There's going to be holes in it. There's going to be things that change. There's going to be so all of a sudden roadworks that pop up on this roadmap. You know, you know, stop sign. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of nervousness and a lot of people that will be cautious about returning to normal straight away, just because of how their lives have been affected by the last twelve months. And I don't know. We've probably lost season ticket holders as well. You know, ultimately we've, and as sad as that is, we'll have lost people that probably sit around us on the, on the ground and. You know, that's just you know, as it's an unfortunate fact of what the last twelve months has been, isn't it? Really, absolutely. So you know, and you... there'll be people still affected by what what the class of long COVID as well in terms of the effects of it. And I think we're probably going to see that for months. You know, it's it's not going to just disappear into thin air, despite all the progress they're making with the vaccine. And there's all the new different variations as well that could throw various spanners in the works. And yeah. So I, mean, I, know look at got... Brazil. I know I know the infrastructure of Brazil as as a country is probably not anything like what we've got, but they're being decimated by the this new variant that they've got. Yeah, but they've got Apparently... a mentalist in charge. Well, yeah, the, true. The president but... is a, the president is a nutter. But the, yeah. I think from what I've read, a lot of people sort of in the that are paid to make decisions on things like that are worried about the the effectiveness of the vaccines against this this strain as well. So if that takes a hold over here when things get loosened, then we might be back to square one again. You yeah, know, pe- People don't want to hear it. I certainly don't, but it, it, it's it's a possibility. We've just got to, we've just got to be really cautious, I think. Yeah. You know, we've do got this think, roadmap, but God knows what happens with it. Do you think, on, just back onto the season tickets and stuff, do you think, obviously we've spoken in, in part, sorry, at, at the start of this half, about the potential for a sea change at North End in terms of the structure and, and how we move forward as a club over the next sort of 18 months to two years. Do you think as well that the marketing side of things is is something that needs to be included in that? Because in the past 10 years, I'd say, the, the club had been heavily criticised by fans for being slow on the uptake with things like season tickets. You know, you'll see clubs February, March, in, in normal times, advertising season tickets and, and getting things on sale ready for next season and, and often we're left waiting until May, June. It's really funny you mentioned that because I, I, I think I was clicking on time up the other day and about this time, three years ago, I got a text off North End. 20, 2018 it was and it was like PNE manager Alex Neal said fans can make the difference. Help the push of playoffs tonight against Bristol City. Call the, the box office number now for your tickets and it's like I, I, that's one of the first times they've utilised the database fully and I think we just need to be like just, just utilise the the bit more proactive yeah rather than just expecting yeah well is it Derek Shaw who said we're the biggest building in Preston we don't need to advertise ourselves like, well, the world's, <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me the world's changed since that you know that's probably 15 years ago but like people have different priorities people have, have put the money into other things now so we need to get that money back 
from a business point of view. How do we do it? So, you know, and there'd be people in the club that are paid a lot more money than, than I'm paid in my job to actually make those decisions. Um, but I think, you know, the more proactive we are, the, they get, they're a lot better on social media than they were probably three, four years ago. But it's how you get to convert that to bums on seats in the ground because that's where you make, what makes you the money. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, cool. Um, Wickham, in terms of form, it's probably what you'd expect from a side at the bottom of the league. The last eight reads one, two, drawn one and lost five. I think <laughs> we're all too well aware that it's not going to be an easy game they should have beaten us at Deepdale and they absolutely paced us in the FA Cup should have been more than what it was in, in reality um, but it's a game that on paper no disrespect to Wickham that you'd probably look at as a fan and go that that's three points closer to safety for us I'm uh, I'm really dreading it because yeah, it's I can't it, say I'm looking forward to it myself <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy mentioned it and I think it's Adam Brown on Twitter keeps mentioning it about how we struggle against Teams that are play like Wickham, you know, it's yeah. that's Wickham. Uh, we lost to Rotherham, Sheffield Wednesday, Millwall. You know, these sort of Birmingham are the same. Obviously, we yeah. beat them, but, but they, it they was a difficult game. The same way, Bre- like these Brexit means Brexit sort of clubs that you know <laughs> they sit deep and it, it's difficult against them, and that's that's what Wickham are like, and the, it's not going to be pretty on the eye, um, and they have our number. I think I was there at the game at, at Deepdale, the home game, and they deserved to win. I thought. I thought we were lucky to get a point in the end. Really, yeah. I thought they oh, were goal, the better it? team. The, the yeah, brought the scores up. Well. Yeah, so it's it's one of those games where everyone's expecting us to go and steamroll them, go and win three, four nil, uh, get a bit of pressure off whoever's back. He's got a bit of pressure on, but I think I think, I'm more looking forward to that week where we've got is it Norwich, Brentford, and Swansea in a week. I'm looking yeah. forward to that because they're the sort of teams that we play well against, and we usually. I'm thinking we'll, we'll, you know, we've already picked up four points from those games. We're unlucky against Swansea at home. We probably should have beaten Norwich away if it wasn't for a, a ruled error um, and a late goal that they scored. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, in, in normal I'm circumstances, that's probably the kind of run you'd look at and go, yeah, you could maybe see six to seven points coming from that. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's obviously it's not normal circumstances, no, is it? No, it's 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 a strange one because because we're a mid-table side and we're not really we're not overachieving, we're not underachieving, we're just just stagnant where, where really. We, where, you know, we where we probably, should be, yeah, yeah, probably slightly. You know, you think we're probably about sixteenth, seventeenth in terms of budget, if not lower or higher. But you know, to be mid-table. It, now with 11 games left I mean we're already talking about marketing for next year we're getting questions on about season tickets like I think even the fan base kind of just wanting the season to be over now so it's like it went out of that stage where one week we're going to turn up and play like Brazil and probably beat Brentford 6-0 at home or something and then we'll get battered 4-0 at, at Adams Park against Wickham like it's just it's 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 strange old season isn't it but yeah. it's just a shame we can't go to this the stadiums because I've never. I, I don't. I don't know about you two, but I've never been to Wickham, so I'd have. Uh, no. I'd have looked forward to that one. It's a funny ground, Wickham, because it is so cold. It's like cold and close and small. It's like it's not what you class as a championship ground. I know that sounds really like you know thinking <laughs> teams. Yeah, like teams like Preston sort of mentality, but it it's just it's a small place, you know. And 
I think they are where they are and they did incredibly well last season and even getting promoted, didn't they, really? Um, you know, the five points off Sheffield Wednesday and 23rd, the 12 points off safety. We've got 12 games left of the season. It's going to take a miracle to get out of it, if, if truth be told. Um, they've only played, tw- they've played 12 league games this year because they, they pretty much had all of January off. I think they only played one league game in January because of COVID. And in the 12 games they've played in 2021 in the league, they've won two, drawn two, lost eight. They've not scored in the last three games. They lost them all 2-0. They've got QPR midweek. So obviously they've actually got, you know, and it's away at QPR as well, who are in form at the minute. They just they don't really score a lot of goals. Um, they've only scored five goals in the last 10 games. They've scored eight in the last 12, but they've conceded 15 in the last t- um, 10 games and then 25 in the last 12. I think this, the numbers are skewed there because of Brentford and they, they conceded seven against Brentford and three against Middlesbrough, I think it was. Yeah. Um, but like I said in the first half, They've not, had, they've not had over fifty percent possession all season. But they the, didn't in the league below either. They had the lowest no. amount of possession. They were twenty fourth for amount of possession and yeah. twenty fourth for passing accuracy, <laughs> and they got promoted from League One. Right, Brilliant. <laughs> but you know, they have a set way of playing. Ainsworth, I love him so bit. You're never going to hear me say a bad word said about him as a person and manager of footballer. I think he's just an absolute legend, and um, he's got them playing in a, in, a, in a way that suits them as a team. I quite like um, what Jake Patsy, the um, yeah, Paisley. I think he's right handful. He doesn't score a lot, but he's a right handful at this level. Um, I can see a championship club coming in for him next season when they go down because they are going down. You know, I think yeah. them and Sheffield Wednesday are gone now. Um, I know there's 12 games left and miracles happen because it's football, but I think realistically, we've got to be thinking that they're going to be preparing for life in League One already for next season. Um, I want them to stay up. I've, I've, I've Love a lot of things in life, but Wickham are going down, <laughs> unfortunately, mate. Um, but I think they've scored like 10 goals at home all season, you know. So, whilst we've scored 24 away, mm. I think the goals will be second half. I think, to be fair, I'd want us to get a lead in the first half on Saturday just to be a little bit calmer um, because you don't want to be leaving it late. Try and bring them out a little bit, maybe. Yeah. Exactly, because because we're better when teams happens come come at us because it just leaves space for the players that we've got. So it won't be pretty. It's not going to be a pretty game. They're going to, you know, they play variations of four five one, whether it be four three three, four four one one, four three three one. Yeah, whatever. those sort of variations. So I don't think it'll be pretty. I think there'll be a lot of long balls, you know, aimed at up at Pizu or you know, I can might start just to put, you know, he did he did well in the game at Deepdale. So, lead hunts, yeah, he did, yeah. So, I think it's don't expect a footballing masterclass. I'm not expecting a three, four, five nil or anything like that because that'd be really wrong of me to say that. I think you know, if, if we're sat here and it's another two nil because they've lost the last three games two nil, then I'd be quite happy to take that. I'm quite happy with a one nil, eight ninth minute to be honest, but man, I think I'd be greater than I already am if that's the case. <laughs> if that's the case, they've actually got less points at this stage of the season than we had that season went down. So, when we were absolutely awful, I think we'd, we'd only won, we'd actually won the same amount of games at this point. Both we'd only won five games at this point, but we've, we've got two extra points, and where they're currently at, you know, they're they're five eight twenty three, I think it is now. So that's not it's not great, is it? Let's be honest. And one of those <laughs> one of those points have come against us, but you know, we just need to go there and win, don't we? Let's just and 
we're then three points off safety with 10 games to go. We can start looking at next year and yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, predictions? Your favourite bit of the pod? I got it right though, didn't I? If you listen to me and put a bet on, uh, my, my DMs are open. Feel free to buy me a beer if you listen to me and put, <laughs> put any sort of money on one one press than I hit yesterday. I am more than happy to accept uh, any sort of financial donation. Um, I'm good. <laughs> I'm going to say 2 0 North End. I don't want to uh, predict us to lose, but I am. I'm, uh, I, I just think it's the sort of game that we just don't turn up in. We lose and we get bullied. I'm going to go uh, Wickham 2 1. I'm going to say 1 0. I think it'll be a, a late goal. And like you said before, Jim, not a pleasant watch. No. No, it's going to be minking, let's be honest. Yeah. If you pay the 10 on I follow them, fair play to you. Yeah, cool. Cheers. Unless <laughs> unless you two boys have got anything else you want to add, then we can call that a podcast. No, good to have you on, Jack. Yeah, you cheers. Thanks, thanks for having me on. Thank, thanks for coming on. We'll get you back on again before the end of the season. Um, I keep feeling, I think because I want the season to finish, I keep feeling like the end is closer than it is, but it's, it's not. So, no, yeah, you've, we'll, got we'll, another, you've got another eight weeks stuck with me yet, mate, before you can have some time off. Unfortunately. No, I'm only joking. Yeah, so yeah, we'll definitely get you back on before the end of the season, mate. No worries. Cheers. And thank you for coming on. And thank you, listener, for listening to episode 45 of the From the Finney podcast. As I said at the start, you can support us by going to supported.acast.com forward slash From the Finney. If you aren't already, go and give us a follow on Twitter. And if you're on Apple Podcasts listening to this, we'd appreciate a, re- a review. Yeah, thank you, fellas. Much appreciated. Nice one. Thank you. Grand. All right, North End fans. The Juice here. You're listening to From the Finney. This is our brand new single, Tell Me Tina. Hope you enjoy it. Have to find another way to get my data